0: Did you see the newest one? I've seen them all. What was your take on the newest one? I loved it. I loved it.
1: I loved every minute of it. Yes, like So once again, my my theory on Jurassic Park is similar to my theory on like Star Wars movies. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, because people rag on the new ones, whatever. But I was like, did they have lightsabers? Did they use the force? Which is precisely... Were there spaceship battles? I
0: I am not Stop whining. I am not any sort of movie buff at all, but I do love the Jurassic Park series, so that... We went to see it in the theaters, and Mm -hmm. afterward, Elise was like, I mean, they did like... Because she's seen them all too. We watched Mm -hmm. them all leading up to it. There you
1: go. That's the only way to do it.
0: And she was like, but they like brought back all... Like they like, you know, they tied everything together. And she was
1: like saying Mm -hmm. they did too much. I was like,
0: no, like that's...
1: That's what you gotta do. the
0: lightsabers and the blasters. Right. Right?
1: Did it have dinosaurs? Yes. Did the dinosaurs eat people? Yes. There you go. Did
0: they make the jokes about all the old ones? Wo- yes.
1: Yeah. Must go faster. I loved it. Welcome to the Strategic Ministry Podcast, where we seek to help church and ministry leaders think more strategically in order to reach more people with the gospel. Today, I'm joined by Ed Sutter. Ed is a longtime friend and has been serving youth and family ministry for many years. He's a professional counselor. He has a great love for Jesus, for students, and for families. And while it wasn't planned, our conversation turned into a two-part episode. So in part one, we discuss where student ministry has been and where it's going. As a long-time youth pastor myself, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart as well. Let's join in the conversation. So why don't you just kind of introduce yourself real quick, tell folks a little bit about your your context, where you're at now. I'm not even 100% certain what you're doing now. It
0: changes all the time. Yeah, so hi, uh, my name is Ed Sutter. I am, uh, as of just over a month ago, my
1: my new title. I thought you, you looked at your watch. I thought you were going to like brand new. As of twenty six minutes of, ago. Oh, <laughs> no, we
0: just it just happened. No, as of just over a month ago, uh, my 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 new title is the senior director of Christian education. Okay. At Westminster Presbyterian Church. In is there
1: a junior director? Nope. That's okay.
0: literally whatever. Like that. You're probably the fifth person that has asked. Well, that. glad to it's, glad to keep the joke going. No, it's got to stay alive. And so we've talked about should I have. Uh, Assistant to the director. Or a, a right
1: for, for those that might be listening, they're on the deep cut. I think we should name Mr. Hunch Qback the junior director. Oh of. wow,
0: that is such a deep cut. Yes, golly, I showed some of my students videos of Hunch Qback very recently because they blah, blah, most of them don't even know who he is. No, right. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I've been at Westminster. I started there part time in 2006 uh, and came on full time staff in 2008. So I'm. Looking already ahead to you know it's the end of the this this program year is just, is nearly over we got summer coming up but the beginning of next school year will be my seventeenth year at Westminster. Wow. Um, it's been a, it's been a, so your career has
1: almost graduated from high school. Yes,
0: well said. I, there are students that will be seniors in high school that were not born when I started there. Like any day now.
1: That's crazy. Isn't that wild? That is. That's so rare too.
0: I've worked uh, in, in a few different capacities there, which has been part of I think what's really allowed for some of my longevity there is that the position, the, the easiest way I've described it is the position has matured with me. And, and the church leadership and staff has, has really taken care of me in that they've allowed for that to happen. So when I started there, um, the position was, you know, assistant director of youth ministry. I was working with another guy. A uh, friend of ours,
1: yeah, um, and you get him on eventually too.
0: Yeah, shout out Jason, Reverend Jason Fryer,
1: the Reverend,
0: the 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 very Reverend Jason Fryer. Yeah, so uh, started out assistant director of youth. Um, was the we kind of split, and I was the director of middle school ministry for for a, a long a long while.
1: I think that's when you and I yep. connected,
0: and that's I mean point. my my heart. If I were to pick a favorite sort of youth ministry, I mean, it's middle school. I love, I love that age group. Um, somewhere along the way, I picked up a, a master's degree in counseling, so it was... <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, it just happened. I, don't know, it was I was at the grocery up. store. It was on sale. My kid, threw like... in the, my kid threw it in the cart when I wasn't paying
0: attention. <laughs> Uh, so I picked a master's degree in counseling, was doing some counseling, uh, with, uh, doing professional counseling with a different agency. Then I started my own little private practice. The pandemic hit. Uh, some of the staffing changed. I, we, I was over the whole youth ministry, mm-hmm. high school and middle school. Um, progressed forward, working on a PhD mm-hmm. in counseling and supervision right now. Um and some more staffing changes. It happened at the church. We're restructuring some of the the leadership stuff there, and am now uh, in a supervisory role over all children, youth, and family ministries from you know cradle all the way up through um, high school and young adults. Uh, and then the, our senior pastor and I work uh, sort of in tandem on some of the adult spiritual development stuff as well. Mm. Um, so all my vocational—I mean, I've done a lot of work in mental health. Have have a little private practice. Um, the all of my full-time vocational work has been in, in the local church, um, and all of my education, with the exception of my undergrad, is is in mental health, uh, and that that partnership has been the partnership of, of vocational ministry and mental health um, has been really, I think what God has continued to call me to, I've said over and over that I feel really confident that God keeps calling me to places where ministry and mental health intersect. Um, and there are plenty of those places. I was going to say
1: that Venn diagram would be pretty substantial.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and and I feel really, I mean, it's been, it's been a real blessing for me. Uh, and it's some of the stuff, I mean, just last night, my wife asked me, what are some of the things that, that, are really giving me life are giving me joy and work and um, you know so I I mean next week I'm going I'm partnering with another a different local church they're they're bringing me in to do a three week series with them uh, on uh, some you know weeknight evenings on um, uh, parenting and and, and, you know uh, it's sort of a mix of like how do you you know develop mental parenting as well as fostering faith in the home so again Mm -hmm. sort of that there's that intersection again right <laughs> I've been invited to you know be a part of uh, you know facilitating groups you know a lot of times when ministry folks are want to do something with mental health or you know give something for their you know have a training for their leaders or or something of that sort i, I get to be a part of the, a lot of those things and and that's been a real joy is, is being able to be you know based at Westminster kind of my home church that's home based but then being able to touch and be a part of and learn from all, like, you know, all these different models, all these different groups that are out there, all these different theological backgrounds and understandings and sizes of communities and, and churches and uh, different makeups, different, uh, you know, different communities that those churches are in, right? So it's, mm-hmm. been, it's been really neat to be a, a part of, uh, be invited into a lot
1: of that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you and I have talked numerous times over the years just uh, about the changing nature of ministry to students, ministry to families, and, and like I think about like I don't know if the nature of ministry has changed so much as our understanding of what the ministry needs to be. Yeah, has changed.
0: Yeah, what do you say, say a little more about? Yeah, I think I agree with you when, when you say our understanding of what the nature of ministry needs to be.
1: Well, you know, when I think about the evolution of student ministry and what it was and what it's uh, you know kind of currently trying to become. Yeah. I don't know if it was you know if I think of it almost like a maturing journey. Yes. Yeah. You I think know that's a great term in for it. its in its infancy student ministry, you know, a healthy student ministry was run a certain way and did certain things right. and and like you know, I don't necessarily want to Throw anyone from the past on the bus because I don't think they were doing bad no, things I, I agree. at all. I completely agree. You know, uh, I think they were trying to meet the needs of the community, the families... as the, they understood as them. they understood them, right. and and like you know, we have some of the benefit of hindsight and and some of those things, and and there's you know, well, not only do we have the benefit of
0: hindsight, we have anecdotal. And some of it's anecdotal. A lot of it's anecdotal. But a lot of it is also research, right? Where mm-hmm. we're seeing... The, so, you know, we kind of think of some of the heydays of youth ministry. And this is interesting, too, because we have a lot of parents who were products of the heydays. Of yes. The, and they say, like, well, when I was a kid, I used to love X, this Y, and Z that. or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've seen a whole generation plus move through those ministry models of the late 80s or the 90s mm-hmm. or whatever... And go through college, go into adulthood, become parents, and we've been able to see what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Where are the Where are the places where there is a strong faith? Where Where is there a place where that's still developing? Where are the places where that's stunted or has fallen off? Mm-hmm. And to be able to see. To and I think exactly to your point. Not to throw any of that under the bus, but we just didn't know. Right. Right.
1: This was a new thing that we were doing. Yeah. Right. And it was very much based on you know these are the felt and observable needs right. of the the families of the time right. right you had new technologies popping up you had the worry of like that kids were getting into things too soon well and, I, right? that's, that's and so it. it was like this idea was to pump the brakes on it initially like let's let's let them be kids let's let them have fun let's let them you know develop relationships and and you know that's what early student ministry was, and there was a lot of value to that.
0: Yes. Well, and, and, and another piece of it is, you, it, you know, it wasn't until, I mean, the kind of when the boomers were kids, like, that, that youth culture was even a thing. Right? Mm-hmm. There was no like what it meant to be a teenager. Right? Well, yeah, they
1: were a driving force that the market had never seen before. Right. So, so, and we, the church being you know substantially behind in, in adopting certain things, yeah. as, as a church so these, tends to be,
0: these last couple generations, it's it's it is brand new. Mm-hmm. It's brand new.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, I think of it genuinely like a journey, it's maturing to, to a different life stage, mm-hmm. you know it's all one journey and one under, but but learning to adapt and change and you know you you only gain the benefit of that when you have people who've been walking this road for a long time yeah. and there are a lot of great voices in the space on that and like you know I'm growing in my own understanding of that the longer I'm doing this and involved in it and understanding it and, and like you know, I think about the reality that like the kids that have graduated out of ministries I've led are starting to have families and have kids of their own and what those kids are going to need. And, right. you know, it's it's different every generation, every so many years. It's, it you know, it needs to change.
0: Yep. Well, and that's, I mean, that's so interesting. So just yesterday, we, we have a new staff member at our church um, who is working with the youth program and she's been there. She's been with us for less than a year, this summer. Mm-hmm. It will be a full year for her, and and literally just yesterday, she and I were talking that, um, you know, she's still finding out new things, right? As we move through the year, it's the first time that she's gotten to the end of a school year. It's the first time that we, you know, she's gone through yeah. Christmas with us or whatever it is, right? But she also is landing on just a much better understanding of sort of quote unquote how this place works, right? Mm-hmm. Like who these students are.
1: Oh yeah, that takes you. You can't do that without time.
0: There's no way. Um, but so it's been really interesting. So because I again I've been there for almost seventeen years, and yeah. it's really easy for me to fall into the trap of, oh this is this is this is just what works, right? Mm-hmm. We did this you know for five years in a row. And it was great every year, so we're just going to keep on doing it, right? Yeah. It's and it's so easy to fall into that and not catch ourselves on the recognition that what kids, what these families need today, right? And so this goes all the way back to that that your original point of. The ministry, like, at, at its core hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But our understanding of it is, is shifting. Or, like, what this current, you know, group of kids that we might have in our midst, right? It, mm-hmm. What they're going through. Or the personality of this group. Do we happen to have kids who are more uh, kind of wired one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so much. We, ne- we really need to be attuned to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know. Another aspect of that is, you know, you were talking about what works, what doesn't work, and this worked over time. It, you know, how do we define working? It's such a good question. Right? Like, back when youth ministry came onto the scene. Fill the room. It fill it up with room, kids. Fill the room. Fill it with as many kids. And that's yep. defined as working. And yeah. that definition held, and in some aspects still holds. Sure. Right? Um, but really getting to the question of, you know, if you want your student ministry to work, is your student ministry working, or in the broader context, your ministry to families as right. a church, right? Kids and and adults as well. What is it? What is working? Yeah. How do you know it is working? Like, how do we come up with the the measurables? Right, because you can only understand a goal if you have something to measure. Yep. You understand that from from all of your educationing um, <laughs> all them book learnings out there <laughs> um, but you know genuinely how do we how do we in this next season right we're we're through the pandemic enough right the dust has kind of settled yeah. from that we've we've made that transition we're we're transitioning you know if you're working in kids students or young adults you're working with gen z pretty yeah. much across the board yeah. right so we have a generation that is fully actualized into our ministries let's say yeah um the newest generation is only just starting mm-hmm. to to step onto the scene we're not quite sure what sure they are yet yeah so in this new era how do we define what's working how do you yeah. measure that
0: i mean for me this is going to be an answer that's particular to to me because of some of my my educational background mm-hmm. and because it just it's i think it's less about my context honestly and more about just the, the lens through which i see mm-hmm. the world right so again yeah. uh, my background my educational background is essentially solely in mental health and so part of that uh, this is a, a side a, a tangent to get to the answer part of um what I've done in my current uh, program is I've I've had the opportunity to teach at a graduate level students who are uh, pursuing their master's in counseling. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching the kind of the next generation of professional counselors. Um, and one of the things I've said to them and one of the things that I've started to recognize about, you know, at least a master's in counseling, I don't know about other graduate schools, but you could speak to this from, from, from your current work. Yeah. um, part of a, er, earning a master's in counseling the way I've described it is learning to think like a counselor right mm-hmm. Le- and so it's like putting on that lens when I when I sit with a family when I sit with an individual when I sit with a group am I looking through the lens of a counselor so that might be the theory that I lean on or the the, the developmental concepts that I understand or whatever I'm learning mm-hmm. to look through that lens right and so I, I've become pretty well entrenched in, in that lens right like I just that like I see it's the reflexive world. now yeah yes. Yeah. Um, so when you ask, you know, how do you define quote unquote, what works, uh, the two words that came to mind almost immediately, the first one that, that jumped up for me was, it has to do with relationships and I'll expand on that. Okay. And the second word was, was, was just wellness. And I mean that from a very hmm. holistic sense, right? Okay. Both of these are sort of hard to measure. Um,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's why, you know, me and- Back to the why were they measuring? Put as many kids in the room exactly because it's really easy it's to super measure. Super
0: easy, right? We had ten this week and nine next week. So and for uh, a
1: long time, it it was not hard to do. Yeah, because yes. they wanted
0: it was the option social
1: space. It was the game in town, right? And, and like you could decide to do some wacky game up front and yeah. give away, you know, ten bucks or whatever, whatever. and yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And it was enough, and it would draw a crowd, right? You could have a movie night at the church, because the church probably had a projection screen, and, like, that was a big thing, and, you know, would draw a lot of people. And, like, people are so, right, when, when we think about the reality of the technology that's just sitting in my pocket.
0: Oh, my gosh, it's
1: astronomical. Like... Well, no wonder they're not excited about anything yeah. anymore, yeah. right? Nothing seems exciting in a world where... In, in comparison to that. <laughs> Well, yeah. so, okay,
0: man, so that that helps me color in, right? I'm going to go back to, again, this is my yeah. lens, so yeah. if, if you're listening and you disagree, like, have at it. But, yes, yeah, so when we look at... We, we, as a local church, have a very hard time competing with, quote-unquote, exciting, right? Yeah. Um
1: you're not what gonna we be. can
0: offer <laughs> is relationships and when I said I'd expand mm-hmm. on
1: that,
0: I mean I, I mean adult to student yep I mean peer-to-peer peer. Mm-hmm. and I and of course but like let's let, not let it go unmentioned the relationship with Jesus yeah like that's I, I again yesterday that conversation I had with our with our lead, with uh, the woman I work with our, our students the students I'm I work in a relatively affluent community, mm-hmm. and our students are very well "quote unquote" connected. Yeah, they have sports teams, they uh, have job opportunities, they've got uh, yeah they've got no shortage of ways for them to be connected.
1: Yeah, these are kids who get part time jobs because they're bored.
0: Yeah, because it's going to be a good uh, resume. Right, put browser. it on my resume, right?
1: Yeah, um, not because mom and dad need help pay grocery bills. Correct.
0: Yeah, good good distinction. Um, and so they've got no, no shortage of ways to build a relationship or have connection, but none of those places are going to have the same, uh, level of intention when it comes to building a relationship with Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we can offer. That's what the low, that's what the church can offer that these other places can't. Right. Yeah. So, so not only can we, we, uh, help what, the way we've said it is uh, provide opportunities for for young people to meet Jesus, right? We can mm-hmm. we can help provide that opportunity, but we can also provide a, a different level of relationship, right? Like a, a human human mm-hmm. relationship, like that that body of Christ, that community. In that sense, I genuinely believe it, it is different. Um, yeah, uh, is
1: well, you and I are sold out on that idea. Yeah, Have yeah. You- um,
0: so, so the first thing I think is relationships, right? Mm-hmm. How do we measure, right? Are, are, are we seeing healthy relationships in the lives of our students? Are they choosing, uh, I don't know, I, I, trip over this word a little bit, or I trip over this thought is sort of half-baked, but like, mm. what do we see in the people that they're choosing to connect with? Can we provide for them mm. healthy places to be connected? Healthy, okay. healthy peer relationships, healthy adult relationships, right? Yeah. So they're, so they're. Uh, interactions with the world are helping them to not only move through the world in uh, pragmatically healthy ways, but also in spiritually healthy ways. Right. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Are they coming out of this ministry stronger than when they came in or yeah. are they coming out of it stronger if, than if they had never bumped into us. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one, I think that's one on, on that relational aspect. Um, and the second I said, I said wellness. Right. And I, and I mean that again, sort of holistically mm-hmm. uh, uh, of course, there's the spiritual component to that. Do, you know, are are they? Uh, do they have a healthy ability to wrestle with difficult truths mm-hmm. um, or difficult concepts that it's a little bit hard to land on truth, right? Because yeah. you know, if 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 I walk into a community of people, a room of people, and I say I'm a Christian. Half the people are going to go, that's cool, and I'm down with that because of XYZ. Mm-hmm. And some of that are going to say, that's cool, and I'm down with that because of A, B, C. And it, they might, it might mean yeah. a totally different thing. Or like, oh, shoot, I don't like that because I think you believe A, B, C. Or shoot, I don't like that because I think you believe. Yeah. So even what it means to be a, a Christian today
1: mm-hmm.
0: has all these different contexts, right? All these different, mm-hmm. like, what do you believe? What do you not believe? What are you okay with? What are you not okay with? Am mm-hmm. I? Are you okay with me if I believe mm-hmm. one thing or the other? hmm and and I think for our, our students to be able to wrestle with that um, is is really important because for me if if I've got a student that leaves uh, our, our church and feels like they have to believe uh, one through one hundred mm-hmm. and, and they have to get a one hundred percent they have to pass one hundred percent on the test quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm. Oof, like that's a tricky spot for me because they're they the second they face the headwinds of the world, and someone else says, "Well, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I believe something different."
1: Mm-hmm. D-
0: d- does it feel like their foundation is shaken then? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so to to have that ability to wrestle, um, I think is a, is a major part of wellness. Um, to, some okay. of, some of that is.
1: Well, yeah. So there's some like. Tenacity and flexibility and elasticity to, yes, to right, the, the working through of foundational beliefs. Not, not that we're, you know, encouraging, shifting away from fundamental core beliefs and, and, that, and doctrines. Right.
0: And I think that's, for me, at the end of the day, go back to the relationships piece. Mm-hmm. Is my faith built on a relationship with Jesus Mm-hmm. Or is it built on a relationship with what I believe to be the exact right thing and all of these, you know,
1: yeah.
0: hot button issues or doctrinal questions or whatever, right? If my relationship is built on the foundation of Jesus, I'm going to be able to face headwinds that say, well, I
1: believe mm-hmm. differently about,
0: I don't know, what, pick it up, the LGBTQ community or abortion or, 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 or yeah. whatever it is, right?
1: Well, yeah, and, if, you know, if you're thinking that, that somehow you're going to, create people who have just all the right answers to these things. Like you're, you're not number one, but number two, you know, people have to be able to function in the real world. And so even if, if foundationally doctrinally beliefs about LGBTQ and pro-life pro-choice are, are grounded in there for you, like people aren't going to live like you live if they don't believe like you believe. And so you still have to be able to, to interact right even even from the perspective of like you know scripturally like people are not going to be Christians until they are Christians and that yeah. starts fundamentally with knowing Jesus first correct right and then the rest comes from there um right. which I, you know is what you're talking about is that that ultimate foundational piece is that relationship with Jesus right right everything else that gets built upon that yep comes later and i think to your point many times churches start with and I'll put it on both sides of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Right? 100%.
1: You know, however you're approaching these conversations, I think many people want you to have the right checklist of, right, you have the right bumper stickers on your car, you voted for the right person in the yeah. last election, yeah. you, right? You you check all these boxes and then you can belong with our tribe. Yeah. You know, and I think that level of tribalism is something that that churches can can transcend and offer an opportunity for genuine relationship.
0: Yes, and that's my sincerest hope is that the, the, the church could get to that point where it's transcendent of that and not say... Because what, what what I see a lot of now is, oh, you go to... I'm going to make up two, two church names, right? You go to Oak Tree, mm-hmm. Oak Tree Community, you must believe...
1: xyz right
0: and like oh you go to maple tree community then you believe blank Blank. right yeah and it's not true it's not that transcendent that doesn't feel body
1: of christ to me no and the reality is if you have a church that is represented by people of more than one zip code yeah they voted differently yeah or or (laughs)
0: Yes, they voted differently, they feel differently about certain things, mm-hmm. they've made, they have already made different choices in their lives, mm-hmm. and the, for me, what I say time and time again, right, if at the end of the day, we meet each other at the foot of the cross, then I'm happy to be there with you, mm-hmm. right, uh, I, so, golly, you know, to, to kind of bring it back, like, how important is is that in our wellness, right? Because mm-hmm. if if I get caught up in the tension of that, I can quickly struggle with anxiety. I can quickly mm-hmm. struggle with relational fallout. I can quickly struggle with isolation because I'm pushing people away, or they've pushed me away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for me, the ability to to, to Lean on Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> that relationship, uh, and have grace towards others. Exp- give myself grace in places where maybe I didn't know something before that I know now. I wish I would have chosen something differently when I was younger or a teenager or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that ties to that that wellness for me. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me... You know, my faith has been a huge part of that, of my, of my well, of, of my pursuit of wellness. Yeah. A- and when you ask the question, you know, how do we know what's working? When I look at my body of students, can I say they have healthy relationships with, with humans in their lives, with peers, with adults, and with with Jesus? And do they appear to be well, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, our this is not news. <laughs> this, is, this is not news to anyone that's listening, right? Rates of anxiety are on the rise. Rates, oh of rates of depression are on the rise. Rates of suicide are on the rise, and we could, that has been talked about ad nauseum to the point that like I'm in mental health and I'm almost sick of hearing those stats. <laughs> yeah. But like again, that's for those of us that have been paying attention over the last couple decades. That's not new since the pandemic. That that was happening well before the pandemic as well. That pattern has been there. Did the pandemic shine
1: a light on it or exacerbate it? Maybe. Yeah, so in, in my circles, we often talk about, uh, you know, in the consulting world, the pandemic was an accelerator and an amplifier. Correct,
0: right? So it, it didn't yes.
1: necessarily create new problems.
0: 100%. It just showed off what was already there. mm mm-hmm. uh, And accelerated some of it. Mm-hmm. So when, I, so I don't mean to say that If your students are struggling with mental health, then, quote unquote, your ministry is not successful. Because that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that a healthy ministry that is, quote unquote, working, can provide different perspectives on and different opportunities for wellness. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So when I look to to, to a, a group of students, a group of families, a church community what evidence of, of healthy relationship is, is is there and what evidence of wellness is there. Um, yeah, to me, that's what, what feels like, is it working?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I like the point you make and, and agree with it on, you know, that that wellness needs to be fundamentally built on, founded on that relationship with Jesus, right? That yeah. has to be. There's no other. There the starting point.
0: There, I mean, there are literally organizations, you know, Wellness Incorporated or whatever, right? Yeah, there are plenty of places that you can go to offer relationship and wellness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: None of those places outside the church, and there might be faith-based organizations or whatever, but in general, none of those places outside the church are are offering. A relationship with jesus or, or wellness right. through jesus like that's what we can offer mm-hmm. and when we as a church try to model ourselves after quote it exciting yeah or the the you know the the the, the, the life-changing or whatever like mm-hmm. okay fine but like are we rooting it in jesus yeah that's what we have mm-hmm. that's it like that's what makes us different right and it's, I think to your point, like, that, it's not us, right? It's, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. Right. But, but all we can do is, is continue to point to the cross, point to the mm-hmm. cross, point to the cross, right? Golly, yeah. I'd get fired up about that.
1: Yeah, same. Well, and, you know, I've, I've said forever, like, if the gospel is not part of what you're doing, then why are you doing it? Yeah. Right? If the gospel is not foundational to what you're doing in your ministry, then why are you doing it?
0: Um, that's what makes ministry ministry, and, right? And not uh, a coaching center, or, right? Or a, a, a um, yeah,
1: some to explore hobbies, like yes. it's see community college with you yeah. know different hobbies and activities. And right. that's not to say you can't leverage some of those opportunities, um, right? Like a, I have a, a friend who uh, Dave Hardy, he was on. He I think his wife did a like a painting class kind of thing, because she's yeah. super artistic. I yeah. think the whole family is crazy artistic. Yeah. Um, but, like, they did it centered on the gospel. Yes. Not meaning that they, I don't think they had to, like, paint crosses or anything. Right. Um, but, like, the gospel was fundamentally a part of it. And that was, you know, for years and years and years, while, while I was doing full-time student ministry, the question was always, not at the, the back end of planning, but the front end of planning. How is the gospel going to be a yeah. part of yeah. this? And you know, I had done retreats and stuff together, and that was always a fundamental question, right? We were doing like ski retreat with students right. back in the day when that could draw a crowd, yeah. Um, and asking, how is the gospel, yeah, foundationally a part of what we're doing here, this experience, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, otherwise we're just you know the high school ski club,
0: bingo right and they literally have that yeah that already exists that already exists so why would they come to this and if they do what makes this one different than that mm-hmm. yeah it's so important it's so important and i think you know as as i as i chew on this a little bit more um when when i talk about relationships or wellness there are a lot of people who i do not blame that have negative perceptions of the church um, or or negative perceptions of the, you know, on the surface, what they believe like the gospel message. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so in the ways that we talk about, we've got a, a, a maturing understanding of what different communities of people need or different generations need. There are a lot of people out there who will be turned off by, Jesus, 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 right? Yes. That means something negative to them. Yeah. Um, and and a, a line that I've said a bunch of times, I'm convinced there are piles of people out there that are turned off by the church, but if they were to meet Jesus, would love that guy. Yeah. So, so when we say the gospel has to be a center of what we're doing, I want to introduce people to Jesus, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. want to introduce them to my bumper sticker, yeah. Or, or or what maple tree community believes or right. like i want to introduce them or, or my or even my opinion right yeah first I,
1: presbyterian I, baptist of whatever
0: right will. i i i want to introduce them to jesus and then be able to say the the two of you need to work on some you know you two yeah. you two need to get, to get to know each other you two mm-hmm. need to wrestle over that, mm-hmm. that tricky thing or whatever it is right yeah um there are, there are just I, I get it when when there are people that don't want to be
1: oh yeah and and you know there are moments when the church has not done well mm-hmm. at making itself available to broken people and being a yeah. place where broken and hurting people can yeah. come and find yeah. that kind of rest and reprieve that, you know, that the woman of the well found and yeah, right. encountering with Jesus, that's that, right. that the woman caught in adultery found, right. you know, connecting with Jesus, that uh, Zacchaeus found yes. all connecting greetings. with Jesus. Um, and then at, at the same time, right, so the, the flip side of that coin is, you know, Jesus unashamedly is is the light of the world. And, you know, when you've been living in darkness so long, stepping into the light can be uncomfortable and no painful, doubt. too. No doubt. Right? And, <clears throat> and so there's some ways in in, you know in that when it's it's going to be hard for people to right but that doesn't give us the right as the church to just Bulldoze. lean into being right, being that bulldozer and just plowing over broken people well right. oh, clearly they don't want jesus and it's you know walking that line of being light and darkness which will make us unpopular at times you're right but not not being jerks about it yeah At the same time, right? Because broken people came to Jesus. Broken people ultimately nailed Jesus to the cross, too. Uh Um, And so, you know, Jesus even tells us, right, expect persecution. Expect Mm -hmm. these kind of things. This will happen. So walking that line is tough. So how do we become a place for broken people without right without becoming a bulldozer and without elevating brokenness is how i'm going to say it because i think mm. there's a there's a desire in the church world mm. that i've seen and i'm not going to highlight any specific church or theology right. or relief Fair. but that that says well if we just make it okay to be broken this way right. then more people will come to jesus and i don't actually see that happening either
0: yeah i, I mean it's it's an extremely challenging line the word that a word that i've sort of liked for that is, is reception. Like how do we receive those broken people? Right. And I think that's a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. Do we receive with all of your, you know, whatever it is, all of your brokenness just to use the, to hang on that word is okay. And like, yeah, you're good. You're fine. You're fine. You're (laughs) fine. Right. Uh, or do we receive with a sense of, uh, you know, we're, I'm glad you're here. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, for me, this is this is for me again, right? This is this is my background. Uh, this is like the fifteenth time I've said this in like last two weeks, and I still don't know the number. How many hours are in a week? I'm gonna do. Them. I'm pulling out my. phone. <laughs> How many hours are in a week? It's 24 times seven. Someone that's really smart just did that math in their head or already knows the answer. So okay, there's 168 hours in a week. And it, like in the counseling world, you know, I may sit with uh, a client maximum like two hours a week right just the, the, the way that i practice most time it's one hour a week sometimes it's one hour every two weeks so so if there's 168 hours in a week i'm with somebody in the counseling office for one hour and then 167 hours they're out there on their own right mm-hmm. i can't change anybody right we can we can uh do some self-discovery we can work through some things we can do some really good work in that one hour, especially mm-hmm. if we build week after week after week. Um, But when it comes to what do we do with that information for me as a counselor, and, and, and again, this is the lens I look through. So, so me in my work in ministry, when the question comes to what do I need to do about that? Me as Ed Sutter, I take a big step back and go, that's up to you right? Mm -hmm. What do you need to do with that? And and so in a counseling office, if it's someone, you know, not everyone that I see is Christian, not that everyone that I see is interested in having, you know, faith or spirituality, a part of their, a part of their counseling experience Mm -hmm. in the counseling office, it might be, well, that's up to you, right? What do you Mm -hmm. want to do with this new awareness? What does health look like moving forward? What's going to, what's going to help you reach your goals that we've come up with, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. In, in, In the church, my big step back is that's between you and Jesus, right? And, and I don't get to be the one that says, the change in your life has to look like A, B, C, mm-hmm. right? I I really believe that when we meet Jesus, there is change. But I also believe that change looks different for each of us. And, and we see that in Paul's writing. He says, if you want to eat, eat. If you don't want to eat, don't eat. And, and I can't remember the exact line. He says something like, why should I be essentially why should I be criticized for something that I gave joy to or gave gave thanks to God for right mm-hmm. so we see in the scripture there are places where there are plenty of graces given to one person can choose one thing and one person can choose another and at the end of the day if we both give grace to God for that choice okay then that's 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 you've got a blessing from God in, in that in some ways, right? And, and I, again, I do believe that there are some foundational places where it, we're, we're going to bend a little bit less on that. But for me personally, right in the counseling office, when it comes down to, okay, now I've got this awareness, what do I want to do about it? That's on you for the, you got, you got 167 hours. Like it's on, you got to be the one to commit to that, right? Yep. It's, I can't tell you exactly what to do. If I tell you what to do, it might work for me. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to work for you. I, I I'm, Really big on, like, not giving hardcore advice. That's how, as a counselor, that's some of my stance. And again, in the church, where that, in ministry, the, the shift that takes is, you got to wrestle with that with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I believe that we are called to change, but I don't know what change looks like for you.
1: Yeah, in the church consulting world, I say, like, I can't change your church for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful to you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And you can always connect with us for more info at strategicmen.com.